In Jesus' name, thank you. Uh, we are dealing with a very powerful subject. It began on Sunday, and we're dealing with breaking the power of witchcraft. I think in the graphic we added uh, rebellion and the occult to it, but initially the thought is breaking the power of witchcraft. And I have sought to really convey to the body of Christ a thorough understanding of what witchcraft is so that we can know what it is from what it is not. Somebody say amen. It is important to us that as we are in the era of God's sovereignty, the era, E-R-A, I can't say our words right, of God's sovereignty, that we recognize that the Father has mandated that the church grow up. Okay? He's not chasing us around anymore with our diapers. He's allowing us to run around in our own circles smelling like poop. But his dealings in this era are for the mature. And so he's bringing us into another level of understanding him, of understanding his word, of understanding who we are in him so that we can facilitate his purpose. And so at the onset of this message, my intention is to mature the church. It is to grow us up. It is to give us something when we gather together in the name of the Lord, uh, something more than just three points in a close to make you dance and run around. And I, I love great church. I love the expression of church. And the main reason why I love it is because God created it. Y'all not going to say nothing to me. He didn't give us all that rhythm for us to sit there and just quietly wave our hands. No, he wants that expression. But we have to recognize that there's more to God than just an external expression. There is the knowledge of God that we have to be indoctrinated by so that we can understand who we are and what we are to do. The, the two scriptures that we're using for this series are Deuteronomy 18 verses 10 through 16 and Isaiah the 8th chapter verses 19 through 22 and it says reads as thus Deuteronomy 18:10 there shall not be found among you and that is a very uh, uh, just powerful statement of of conclusiveness there shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or daughter pass through the fire or one who practices witchcraft or a soothsayer or one who interprets omens or a sorcerer, or one who conjures spells. Somebody say spells. Another word for conjuring spells is witchcraft prayer. God, that's my husband. God, that's my husband. God, that's my wife. God, that's my wife. And God didn't say it. Or a medium. Okay, what is mediumship? If, does anyone understand what mediumship is? In the world of the occult and in the world of witchcraft, a medium is very different and distinct from a psychic because a medium's job is to become a conduit and a physical representation of a spirit in the spiritual world that is seeking expression in this earth realm. So a medium would sit there and through a meditative state and a trance-like state, um, would blank themselves out and open up all of their orifices, all of their faculties and accoutrements to whatever spirit was in that vicinity that was looking for expression. And they literally allow for the spirit to take possession of their being. And the spirit will speak through them and talk through them. I believe that it is Satan's counterfeit of the infilling and baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gift of prophecy. Because when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, not in a, in a controlling sense, but he takes over our faculties. For at least a moment, we're caught up in his uh, initiatives and interests and caught up in what it is that he's saying and proclaiming and doing. And then if he uh, causes us to prophesy, many times he bypasses all of our natural faculties and he will speak through us. So Satan's counterfeit 
to the authenticity of being filled with the Holy Spirit and the prophetic is mediumship. Okay? You can't be a medium. There should not be found among you one who's a medium or a spiritist or one who calls up the dead. Biblically, that is the witch of Endor. And y'all know that story where Saul had uh, caused all of the, the prophets to be put out of the land, but he went to a witch to figure out what Samuel was doing. For all who do these things, somebody say all. All who do these things are an abomination to the Lord. This is why you cannot cut out that page between the Old Testament and the New Testament because there's nothing in this text that says this changes in the New Testament. He is God. He changes not. He is the same yesterday, today, and? Right. So his edicts remain the same. All of y'all people who think that this is somehow the covenant of grace erases the character of God. You are in error. Somehow you think licentiousness and being sinful uh, is allowed. It's an insult to the integrity of his righteousness. Right? There's no distinction. The only difference is you don't get killed for it. Jesus died for it. But shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not, Romans 6 says, for how should we who died to sin live any longer in it? Take the baby into my office. Somebody say amen. Isaiah 8, 19 through 22 says, and when they say to you, there's always a they, there's always a they with something to say. Watch the they's. And when they say to you, seek those who are mediums and psychics, mediums and wizards, New King James says, who whisper and mutter, God has relegated all of the utterances of these psychic people to just whispering. Prophets have the word of the Lord. Psychics have a whisper and a mutter. Even though they're talking, you can't interpret it. Even though they're speaking in your language, it's articulating nothing. It's nothing more than a mere mutter and a whisper. He said, should not a people seek their God? Why should they seek the dead on behalf of the living? He's establishing for us in a scriptural basis that the people that are psychics and wizards Right? And occultic prognosticators are only communicating with the dead. This scripture establishes it. You don't ever have to find another scripture to say it. There's no light in them. There is no life in them. And if they're talking to the dead, nothing that they articulate to you is going to produce the life of God. Because they got it from a dead spirit. Are we in the scripture? We established just very quickly in a recap... Um, that, that spirituality is now firmly placed in mainstream culture. You cannot turn on your TV without looking at some form of spirituality outside of the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. We talked about the popularity of crystals, tarot cards, and the wellness industry creating a culture that is inducting, uh, inducting people into uh, the spirituality of witchcraft. We talked about Harry Potter, which someone gave me some information today who observed our live from out of state and gave me some interesting statistics that there was a huge percentage of people that participated in that movie who all died. And most of them were very young and they died of horrible infirmities. The actors portrayed in the Harry Potter series were in their 20s dying of cancer. Some of them had freak accidents. As they are about to set up a Harry Potter store in New York, I believe in June, where you can go buy all of the, all of the paraphernalia. See, most of the church is oblivious to the reality of the war that we are in. Y'all hear me? Come on, y'all. And, and, and I, can't, I can't struggle 
with making sure that our house is a mature house. Because the temptation comes and says, well, back down and give them something that's going to make them dance and something that's going to excite them. And I guess we have space for that, but you will fail in your assignment if all you have is joy, joy. Ignorant with the happy happies. Dancing with no knowledge. Because if you don't understand the war that we are in, you are already slaughtered. Your children will be overtaken by spiritual forces and you won't even be able to recognize that that's what's happening. I can't preach, I gotta teach. We established that the Wiccan religion originating over in Wales and Ireland and all of that claims to have in 2014, so I'm sure it's higher now, 1.5 million Americans who are self-professed Wiccans. Okay? So the backdrop of all of this Number one, we established in Ezekiel 28, 15, that Satan found iniquity in himself. And we, we established that, and I keep saying established because we really established in the word of the Lord. Somebody say amen. That a thought, somebody say a thought. A thought in the presence of God that is contrary to his purpose constitutes rebellion. Single thought. Okay? Look at the economy of Satan. All he has is a suggestion. Satan has never appeared to you and gripped you with his arms and threw you down on the floor and told you what you was going to do and dared you to get up and not do it. He comes to whisper. He whispered to Jesus during the season of his fasting and temptation. He whispered to Adam and Eve in the garden. He whispers to you. It's just a suggestion. Did God really say? Or he'll twist the word concerning what God did say and try to give you a different understanding. Right? So a thought, get that in your spirit, a thought, a single thought. It doesn't have to be a whole program. It don't have to be a whole night. You don't have to have a whole night of activity to let the devil in. You just have to believe the suggestion. And you give him a seat. Huh? A thought in the presence of God that is contrary to his plan constitutes rebellion. Number two, the thought took precedence over God's divine order. Look at this real quick, Isaiah 14. Somebody has to be keeping time for me because I don't see the clock. Let's look at this real fast. I'm going to give y'all scripture. And if I don't read the scripture, I'll give you the reference so that you can have it. Is that all right? Isaiah 14, verse 12. Listen to what the Lord says. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. There's no question who he's talking to. Okay? What happened to Lucifer? He fell from heaven. Say that out loud. He said, how are you cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations? For you said in your heart. What did he do? So that means your heart has both a voice and an ear. Your heart speaks. That's why you got to guard your heart because out of it flows the issues of life because your heart is going to prophesy your existence. See, that's why I had to take seven weeks to teach on the transformation of the soul. Because if your inside isn't right, your outside will never be right. We try to fix people from the outside in and we fail and we get frustrated. You can't fix people from the outside in. They have to be transformed from the inside out. Your heart has to be adjusted. Because your heart is the biggest voice. 
Who do we have success with as spiritual leaders? People who allow their hearts to become acclimated to the word that we preach so that what you hear in yourself mirrors what we preach out of the word of God. Because you believe your voice bigger than anybody else's voice. I can preach this Bible all night from Genesis to Revelation and it won't make sense to you until you hear yourself tell you. So what do you do with the people whose heart always prophesies something different from what God has said? You got to guard your heart. Your heart has a mouth and an ear. It says, for you said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. Listen to what this is saying. Now watch it. Watch the disposition. Because this began with saying how you are fallen from heaven, Lucifer. So he got kicked out. He says to himself, I'm going back. Everybody don't like being disappointed. No, no, no. I don't mean let down. I mean you had a position and it gets taken. Because then people reason in their heart, you don't get to pull me down from where I feel I'm supposed to be seated. So now he said in his heart, I will ascend into, I'm going back to where the sovereign said I should not be. This is thought number two that constitutes rebellion. Now watch it. I'm seeing this now as I'm preaching it. There's a progression. Because it began with the thought in his heart. Now it's a deliberate action against what God specifically said. So what is that telling us? What's in your heart is always going to show up. That's why you have to take the opportunity now, and I'm still teaching on breaking the power of witchcraft, but you have to take the opportunity that when the word of God challenges you, fix your heart because your heart is a commodity in the realm of the spirit. The moment you decide that your heart agrees with the plan of Satan, you give him a stronghold into your heart. Now it's not just your will resisting God, it's satanic power in your will resisting God. Now you got demons that need to be cast out of you because you refuse to align your heart with truth. What you incubate in your heart, y'all better, I'm telling you, y'all, I cannot say this enough. I don't know how to emphasize it. I know that I have been preaching it for at least a decade in this church. I don't understand why and how human beings still don't get it. I've watched people shipwreck their lives because they cannot hear. I can't say it any plainer than in English or in tongues when I get anointed. I can't walk with you in your life. I cannot screen your text messages. I cannot intercept your calls and say, this is the one God was talking about. You have to hear this and obey. You have to hear it and fix yourself. Are y'all listening? He said, I will exalt my throne Above the stars of God. This is the Luciferian complex. I'm going higher than what I'm outfitted to be. Because I don't like my ordination. I don't like my assignment. I don't like my calling. What you mean you call me to serve you and carry your bags? I'm a prophet to the nations. Oh, you are? Well, how are you going to get there? I'm an evangelist to the lost. And ain't found nobody yet. 
So while you're working on your finding skills, there's a toilet that needs to be. See, that's old school to y'all. But if, if, if we just compare for a minute, if we compare what we consider to be there's feedback, reverberation something. If, if we compare what we consider to be the old church with this new church, how many pastors in the 70s do we know of or have heard of that committed suicide? They're doing it a dime a dozen today. The pastors are killing themselves because they can't take the stress. You preaching to me, trying to help me with my stress, and you can't manage yours. And that's no insult to them because nobody knows what it feels like to go through that but a pastor. To come to a place where you reason that your wife and your children are not important enough to live for. See, that's what church people will do to you if you let them. Oh, yeah. That's what they'll do. Then people will put you up on a pedestal and tear you down as quick as they can. The same people. You got to have tough skin. You have to have the machinations to handle all of the darts. Not from Satan, because you can bind him real quick. It's the people that you can't bind. Can't bind them. That's witchcraft. You can't bind the people. I know we ain't doing witchcraft because there's too many loose people that would have been bound if we were. Trust me. I mean bound all the way up. Standing in the... <laughs> keep going. Looking at the wall, asking to take their order like they had McDonald's, talking to the wall. If I could have did it, I would have. Can I take your order? Is that a number one, number two, or number three? You want ice with your Coke? Who are you talking to? I don't know. I'm bound. If I could have done it. He said, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. The stars of God. He's talking about the angelic messengers. These are the same stars given reference to in the book of Revelation that the apostle John saw. They were in the hand of the Lord. They were governing authorities. He said, I'm going to sit in my throne above the governing authorities of the most high God. How did this begin? He said it in his heart. Huh? I got to hurry up. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. Watch this. I will be like the most high. Isn't it interesting that this concept that he incubated in himself is the same deal he peddled in the garden? So the Luciferian complex, I'm going a little bit ahead of my notes, but the Luciferian complex is never good in just one individual. They have to inseminate others. That's how you know it's Luciferian. Wasn't enough for him to say, I'm going to be like the Most High. Now he got to convince the creation that they need to be like the Most High too, not realizing that they already were. But the Bible says, the prophet Isaiah prophesies, yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. Somebody say amen. amen. So when we're dealing with this, here's the backdrop. He has a thought that begins to take precedence over God's divine order. During the discourse of his assignment, this is the scripture in Ezekiel 28 and 16. Turn there real quick. Ezekiel 28, 16. It says, by the abundance of your trading, your trafficking, your commerce, your merchandising, your customer service relations, it says you became filled with violence within and you sinned. 
I could go somewhere with that, but I'm not. By the abundance of your customer service relations, the more you talk to people, the more angry you became. The more you merchandised your idea, the more you became filled with violence and rage and bitterness, and it became so apparent. According to Hebrews, the root of bitterness sprung up and it defiled many. See, bitterness is never just left to one person. Just like the Luciferian complex is never left to one person. Has to have a process of insemination. It would not have been enough for Satan to be Satan. He had to take a third of the host to be like him. How did he manage to get a third of the host of heaven that he knew would rebel against God's plan? How did he know? Somebody say amen. Four, Satan was cast out of heaven and sent into the earth's atmosphere. Here's the references. I'll just give it to you. Revelation 12. Now, let's read that one. Revelation 12. Revelation 12, 7 through 9. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought. Now they went from just being a third of the host to now being called angels, but the dragon's angels. But they did not prevail, nor was place found for them in heaven any longer. So they get ousted from their seat. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. And he was cast to the earth. Where was he cast to? Where was he cast to? So we have to recognize that although this is an apocalyptic vision and revelation that the Apostle John is giving us insight, this is not something that just happens at the end of the age. This is something that happened between Genesis 1 and 1 and Genesis 1 and 2. It is impossible for God, who is the progenitor and the source of all life, to create something that is dark or void. Impossible. He's light. He's the kind of light, the scripture says, in whom there is no darkness or shadow of turning. So it's impossible for light to create darkness. Darkness is only the absence of light. God didn't create his universe and not be in the universe. When he said, let there be light, the Hebrew word for there is O-W-R. It says light, it says luminary, but it says all that is God. So he spoke his presence into creation. That's the first thing that he did. So this darkness being upon the face of the earth is the result of the dragon and his angels being cast out of heaven and being sent to the earth. They opened up the planet to the tyranny of darkness and death. Right? They were sent where? And his angels were cast out with him. Luke 10, real quick. Somebody say, teach us the Bible. Yeah, because y'all need to know scripture. I don't hear no pages during it. Luke 10. I only have one verse here, but I got to back up a little bit. Is that all right? I know it is. I got this mic. It says, after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also. So these are Jesus' apostles. And sent them, apostello, he sent them, apostolized, deputized them, 
two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. So what does God do? He's given us the pattern. He sends apostleship before he shows up himself. Then he said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are what? Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs amongst wolves. Carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals, and greet no one along the road. Why you don't feel like talking to me? I'm, I, he said don't greet nobody along the road. I'm on an assignment. I just want to throw that in there. <laughs> but whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. I'm showing you something. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. Listen to the economy of the apostles' words. If they find a son of peace in the house, when they declare peace upon the house, peace will then rest upon the house. But if there is no son of peace in the house, your peace doesn't abide there. It returns to you. Look at that economy. Whatsoever you bind on earth will be. Whatsoever you loose on earth will be. And the preface to that is I've given you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Can I teach the Bible the way that they wrote it and the way the Lord intended it? Y'all know we got a whole bunch of people binding and loosing who don't have keys. Keep going for a long. He said, and remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give, for the laborer is worthy of their higher, New King James says, wages. The laborer is what? That means whatever they present to you, take it because you've earned it. That's a whole sermon. Do not go from house to house, whatever city you enter. Now, he went from one level of the kingdom to the next level. He went from the house level, the local level. Now he's on a citywide level. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as they set before you. And heal the sick there. He didn't say heal in the house level for whatever reason. But on the city level, he said heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. But whatever city you enter, come on, I'm talking apostolic ministry territorially. Whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out into its streets and say, the very dust of your city which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Am I still in the scripture? I haven't even given commentary yet, right? If you have a, is this in red? So these are the words of Christ. He's saying, apostle, they may or may not receive you. If the city does not receive you, go out into the street. Go on Dixville Avenue. Go on Whaley. Hit the boulevard. And wipe the dust off. And say, we wipe it off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near you. In other words, you had an opportunity. But I say to you, it will be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. Imagine a city that doesn't receive those God sent to it, thinking that they're going to be all right. Jump down to 18. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. We just saw when he got kicked out of heaven. It was Isaiah 14. And we saw it in Revelation. He said, and behold, I give you the authority. Now watch it. 
because Jesus's observation of Lucifer falling from heaven like lightning is the backdrop to the power that he's about to dispense to his apostles. Because he saw him fall like lightning, he says, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. How much of his power? How much of his power? And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, don't rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Somebody say amen. Here's mankind's failure. Partnering with Satan's agenda created a spiritual void that man has sought to fill with his own ideas ever since the garden. When God backs up, instead of repenting and realigning with God, uh, by how God has revealed himself, man always attempts to change the narrative and shift the creator himself into someone that they can manage in their fallen state. So when we're all from God, mankind has the proclivity, instead of reuniting with God, how we have experienced him and how we know him, we change the story in our mind of who and what God is and what he's all about. See, you'll hear people releasing this word, and this is very new age and very occultic. Uh, and if you look at the agendas of the LBG, the letters, and if you look at even the Black Lives Matter movement, which we uh, establish is tied in with witchcraft and the worship of ancestors and things of that nature, when they make reference to God, the first thing they say is that God is love. And he loves everybody. But like Tina Turner said, what does love have to do with it? What's love got to do with it? We know that his composition is comprised of love, but love has nothing to do with your will. Do you love him? That's the question. Because Jesus said, if you love me, I, I just want to know if I had a Bible reader in here. He said, you'll keep my commandments. In other words, your love will be seen not in your sentiment, but in your obedience. Salvation in Christ is not to secure your everlasting home. Some of y'all in here that got saved just to escape hell. Revisit your salvation. Salvation in Christ is to remove the Satan dilemma out of the equation of mankind's interaction with the Godhead and to restore humanity and creation to an uninterrupted relationship with God. What's a real relationship with God? It's not soft worship music that makes you cry. It is the exchange of the light and life that emanates from his being. And that light furnishes and supplies everything that your life on earth and eternally will be comprised of. Salvation or the lack thereof determines the kingdom that governs you. The spiritual, mental, and emotional composition of your makeup, and it also determines the eternal purpose you are contributing to as a conduit in the earth. The unsaved only exists for Satan's agenda. If you want to know if you're really saved, whose kingdom are you building? Look at your life, look at your activity, look at your experiences. Who is being glorified by what your life produces? Then you'll know whether or not you're really saved. Imagine trying to reach God 
and interact with God and interface with God and Satan is in the middle and you're doing it through Satan. That's what it's like to try to reach him and you're not really saved. These spiritual forces populated the earth's atmosphere. So they were sent to the earth. They populated the earth's atmosphere and Satan set them up in a kingdom system that mirrored what he observed in heaven. He set himself up like the most high God and he extracted the obedience and the service of these spiritual forces. Now these forces act, they act as gods and they even reveal themselves to mankind. This is where every false religion has stemmed from. Every single one, every false religion that has any kind of weight or existence in the earth began with a visitation and a message contrary to scripture. Everyone. It began with a supernatural visitation. Y'all going to get this in a minute. Can I, can I, because I got to build it. It began with a supernatural visitation and a revelation that conflicted with what was already established. How quick. Galatians asks, who has bewitched you? Having begun in the spirit, you are so quick to trying to be perfected in the flesh. How did you fall from where you were established? How can a being come and preach to you a gospel? Well, I'm going to show you here. Turn to this real quick. 1 John 2.18. Somebody said, teach us the Bible. You won't have any excuse. 1 John 2.18. says this. Am I building a case? Little children, it is the last hour. Now, if they was in the last hour, we in the last part of the last hour now. It says, and as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming, but even now, what does it say? Many Antichrists have come, by which we know it is the last hour, but that's not the scripture that I wanted. I wanted Galatians 1, 8, 1 and 8. Turn there first. That's all right. That's just making up for the scripture you missed this week. Galatians 1 and 8. Says this. But even if we, oh, well, no, let's back up. He said in verse 6, I marvel that you are turning away so soon. You ain't even maintained it for a long enough time. You turned away so soon. <laughs> so, he said, Shande, <laughs> I marvel that you were turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another. In other words, there's not really another one that exists, but there are some who trouble you and this is how they're doing it. They want to pervert the gospel of Christ that already exists. Have you ever heard anybody bend the scripture to fit their issue? It's a perversion of the word of God. Watch this. But even if we, he's talking about the apostles, the sent ones, the ones that have walked with Christ. 
even if we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you already, what did he say? Let him be accursed. Damned. That's what that word means. He said, let him be damned. Let him be void of everlasting and eternal life. Let him be sentenced, condemned, and judged to hell. If we or an angel from heaven preach another gospel to you than what we've already preached, let him be damned. And then he repeated it. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches another gospel to you, then what we have received, let him be accursed. He says, then what we have received. Well, we know what they received because it's here in the canon of scripture. Is that all right? For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I will not be a bond servant of Christ. Am I saying men? When we deal with the Antichrist, and this is the spiritual force that fuels all of these fires, we are dealing with anything that is antithetical to the nature, the person, the purpose, and the disposition of Christ Jesus. Whatever you cannot find in Christ himself that people tout as being good, praiseworthy, or worth adhering to. Somebody say, if it's not in Christ, it should not be in the believer. If it's not in Christ, it should not be in the believer. If it's not in Christ, it should not be in the believer. Is Jesus an adulterer? Well, the Bible says put off your old man concerning the former conduct and put on, put on Christ. So if I put on Jesus Christ, the persona of Christ, the being of Christ as a blanket, as a covering, then it is not lawful for me to act with Christ on me in any way that's not already in him and germane to him. So anything that is anti-Christ is antithetical to his nature. I can't hate you because he doesn't hate you. I can't be a rebel because he's not a rebel. He was obedient, the Bible says, until the point of death. Somebody say anti-Christ. These forces populated the earth right after the creation account. So all of the pre-Christian era rhetoric has no standing. So if you study religion as I do, Buddhism began 600 years B.C., Taoism began about 142 years B.C., and they all predate Christianity. So one of the things that you're going to hear when you deal with people that are, uh, are inundated and are adept in the occult and in witchcraft, they're going to tell you that these spiritual religions are the original religion. They're going to tell you that it's time for Africans to divorce. I, and I see these memes all the time and I argue with these people and they curse me out all the time. They're going to tell you it's time for the black man to divorce Christianity because it's the white man's religion and we need to go back to African spirituality. They're going to tell you that it's time for us to worship the spirit of the ancestors and pray to our ancestors and let them channel. Let's channel the ancestors and get their power and get their ability so that we can accomplish all the things that we have to accomplish in the earth. They're going to say this spirituality that the world calls witchcraft or that Jesus Christ and his Christians call witchcraft is actually the religion that is germane to man. Religion is trying to rob you of your power. You got to go back to your root. You got to go back to your system. 
And this is what I can't get them to explain to me. That when I preached in Namibia and the people were rolling on the floor like snakes and I was commanding their African ancestry spirits to come out of them, they have not been able to explain to me yet how the name of Jesus got them demons out of those people. If we're supposed to return to African spirituality, why were those who practice African spirituality coming to Jesus' altar to be set free? So it may predate Christianity, but it doesn't mean a hill of beans. Because the Bible says to us that the lamb agreed to be slain from the foundation of the world. So God's eternal and everlasting premise predates the African spirituality. And the backdrop, and this is what I'm hoping to tie together, to the African spirituality and everything that predates the Christian uh, uh, religion and belief or Judaism, which is the founder of our Christian faith and belief, the reality is we were dealing with a world that was populated by spiritual forces of darkness that got ousted from their seat in glory and they came to the earth and set up a pseudo kingdom with a false religion. So imagine the terrain of the earth, not populated with humans, but full of demons, full of devils that only have a memory of the intricacies of the sovereign's kingdom in heaven in a realm of light that they will never see again. So to the best of their ability, they begin to create a system and masquerade as gods and pretend to be what they saw in heaven. So as the earth began to be populated, now these spiritual forces begin to make appearances in the earth. Nam yo ho I'm Buddha. Come in the path of enlightenment. I'm Taoism. I'm Confucius. Y'all not going to like it. Some of y'all going to get mad. But I'm Allah. After taking the prophet Muhammad and throwing him to the ground with convulsions, like he was having seizures. You guys know that every revelation he got from the Quran, he was in a seizure convulsive like state to get it. When the angel appeared to him and identified himself as the angel Gabriel, told him he was charged with a special commission. That man had enough sense. Y'all better hear this. Had enough sense to come out of the cave and go to his wife and say, I think Satan, they call him Shaitan. That's what the Muslims call him. He's trying to deceive me. Because Muhammad was a righteous man. He went into that cave to seek the most high God. And found another deity. And came out of the encounter and said, this spirit is trying to deceive me. And his crazy wife, watch who you marry. Y'all listen to me. I don't care what you say. And, and I'm not an advocate for divorce, but your spouse will make or break your whole destiny. You marry the wrong person, you go. Don't get married on no prophetic word unless God gave you one, because sometimes those don't work either. Yes, 
but you better get a good sense of who that person is and where they're going. Marriage is for this realm. Y'all trying to spiritualize marriage. You better naturalize it and get somebody you can live with and talk to and enjoy. You marry the people that you can't stand. Wonder why you stunted, can't grow. This crazy wife, Khadijah, says, go back and seek him again. You're too righteous of a man for Shaitan to deceive you. How are you going to be above Satan's deception and he tried to deceive Jesus? You greater than Jesus? Well, Farrakhan said that he was. So he goes back into the cave and, and has another, and this is a long story, months later has another visitation. Gets his commission, gets his paper, gets his deputizing order. Says you're the last prophet in the earth. Well, I, I, how are you the last prophet of the earth? In Ephesians 2.20 says the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. With Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone. That premise was set up before he was born. How did you become the last one? There's no scripture that said you was the last one. How do you make that announcement? And then he goes to kill everybody who doesn't believe him. He sheds blood. Because witchcraft deities and forces always require blood. That's how you get power. So this one prophet with a faulty revelation in another deity, I just got my answer. Because I was trying to reconcile how Islam, as children of Abraham, who are supposed to be our brothers, because we understand that God promised Ishmael a great nation and sent him away with Hagar. The, the Muslims call her Hajar or Hajar. Sent him away into the desert. And so she goes, didn't have food, didn't have water to feed him, and she cries out to Allah and asks Allah to help her with her son. And she has her own visitation with him. So the Islamic story begins where our Christian story of Ishmael and Hagar ends. Our Bible doesn't talk about them after that. Their story begins there. I just got the answer. This is how they are the seed of Abraham, but worshiping another deity. Because Yahweh didn't appear to him in that cave. That wasn't the most high God in that cave, making that man convulse and giving him another revelation that conflicted with Jesus Christ and his testimony. So you're the seed of Abraham, but you're not living according to your purpose. You're worshiping another God. In a cave, got your prophet in convulsions. Imagine somebody throwing up and, and convulsing every time they had a word from the Lord. I've never let them prophesy in this church. <laughs> like, first of all, take your medicine first and see if you could get this out without a seizure. And if you can't write it down, <laughs> I got to keep going. Nobody's helping me with the time. I, I said it three times. Ain't nobody helping me. I'm going to keep teaching then. Y'all must want to be here all night. It's a shut-in. <laughs> I mean, I said it in English. Did we need an interpreter? Did it come out in tongues? Because sometimes you speak in English and it come out in tongues when you caught up. And the people don't know what you said. I know I said that three times, though, that I was looking for the time. Y'all remember me saying it? Okay. No, I know what time it is. I don't know how long I'm taking. That's what I want to know. 
and lost my point. <laughs> there is an interest from the angelic realm, both in light and darkness, into the affairs of humanity. So those supernatural beings of both angels and demons, the demons that populated the earth after they were ousted from heaven and the angels that are assigned to the earth are very intrigued by humanity and the sovereign Lord's interaction with us. Psalms 8, 4 through 6. Write that in your notes. We don't have to turn there. And 1 Peter 1 and 12 explains both of those. What is man that you are mindful of him? They're asking the question, why are you so interested in these human beings? What is it about us that makes us such a commodity in the realm of the spirit? Okay? There's a supernatural realm that is populated by these spiritual beings. There's not a good spiritual realm and a bad spiritual realm. There's one spiritual realm. Say that with me. There's one. There's one spiritual realm. God and Satan are both in that world. Okay? Do y'all understand that? Somebody say yes. Okay? Their realm is eternal. Somebody say it's eternal. It's everlasting. It doesn't ever end. This world is temporary. The heavens and the earth that we engage are temporary. According to Revelations, there will be a new heaven and a new earth. All of this is going to fade away. But the supernatural world is everlasting and eternal. It will never fade away. Somebody say amen. amen. And that world is populated by these spiritual beings. And because the inherent nature, Nats, our students, of mankind is spiritual, we have the ability, although we are living in flesh, to interface with this supernatural world. Y'all got it? Okay. Now, inherently, man has no power of his or her own. You have no power. You have no supernatural power of your own. Your words mean nothing. They'll fall to the ground. Your prayers mean nothing. They'll fall to the ground. Your decrees mean nothing. They will fall to the ground unless there is a force that backs up what you say. Are y'all listening? Now, as believers, somebody say I'm a believer. Our entrance into the supernatural world only comes by the blood of Jesus Christ and salvation. It's the blood of Jesus, it is salvation, it is the infilling of the Holy Spirit. That is the only way we interface with the supernatural world, period. Somebody say amen. amen. He takes his life and puts it in our being. And our bodies become the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit of God begins to indwell us and he manifests the life of God from the eternal world and realm in and through our being. When we worship, we transcend into God's world. We lose awareness of time. We lose our sensitivity to what's going on in this realm. The things that we see in here in the spirit take precedence over our natural reality. A real word from God will pull you away from death's door because you could be in the hospital hooked up to a whole bunch of machines and you'll refuse to die because you encountered something in God's realm that showed you you had a reason to live. A real world word from God. Somebody say amen. When the Holy Spirit manifests his gifts, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, 
Gift of prophecy, discerning of spirits, gifts of healings, the working of miracles, tongues or interpretation of tongues, or the supernatural gift of faith. When the Holy Spirit manifests those manifestations to us and through us, it is a glimpse and an interfacing with that divine supernatural world that we can't see except by revelation. How did you know that about me? I don't know how I know the Holy Spirit showed me. Well, how did you see it? He opened my eyes to see into the realm of the spirit. How did you know there were angels in this room? Because God allowed me through the discerning of spirits to discern and detect that there were angelic beings in here. Or you saw them or you heard them. How could you hear and see in a supernatural realm? Because the Holy Spirit is in me. And even though we're in this flesh, he makes us privy to his world. Now, how... Do you get there and you ain't saved? <laughs> I'm glad you asked that question. It's still worship. It's still ritual. It's still obedience. It's still sacrifice, but it's to another God. It is impossible for any person to interface with the supernatural world except by blood. I'll give you the scriptures later. I'll just give you the references. We won't turn to them. Every witch, every warlock, every Satan worshiper, every Satanist, every psychic, every medium, every soothsayer, every spiritist, that can sit here in this world in flesh and reveal to mankind things that are going on in that invisible world and they're not believers because you can't be none of that and be a believer because there shall be found none of these among you. It's an abomination before the Lord. The only way they access it is through blood and a covenant. At some point, they have entered into a contract with a spiritual force and they have vowed commitment and obedience and service for the power that they wield. I had a spiritual son who's mad at me because I won't baby him and I'm not going to baby him and I ain't going to baby y'all neither. And so he unfriended me on social media because I didn't want to support his new ministry. I said, you just got delivered from Palo Mayombe witchcraft. You don't need a ministry. I said, you need to find some place to submit and get cleansed and be delivered. No, I'm not coming on your live. No, I'm not. You don't have a ministry yet. I said, we got to make sure them demons ain't coming back for you. Oh, y'all don't like it, but I, that's how I deal with people. Oh, you lost the soul? No, I didn't. I told the soul the truth. And if he didn't want the truth from someone he called to be his, called his father, then he didn't want the truth at all. My spiritual parenting is not about warm, fuzzy moments. It's about God's purpose. He was involved in the highest, one of the highest levels of witchcraft that there is. He came to my service out of state that I was preaching in. He came and laid on that altar. And the Holy Spirit told me to leave him alone. So he had to negotiate. He was at such a realm. Watch this. This goes back to Hebrews 6. He was in such a realm in God. So as my son, um, he was extraordinarily prophetic, very prophetic. He could see visions. He could hear God. 
Um, in that season, we did a lot of praying, a lot of fasting. We were just always praying. Like, we didn't watch movies. We just stayed there, if that makes sense. And so we, we heard from God in that realm. Well, I moved away to Oklahoma. He had some emotional dysfunctions about that, and it just put him in this downward spiral, and he didn't want to go to church. Everybody gets hurt by the church, and it's a person that hurts you. Can't, learn to deal with people, and you'll stop blaming the church. Just please say, Pastor, I'm mad at you, and just get over it. <laughs> but like, pl please just, it's not the institution. It's not the agency. It's not, it's not the place where Christ is the head. They didn't do that. He didn't do that. Anyway, Shande, so he was going through his stuff. And so he decided he wanted nothing else to do with church. Well, here's the problem. He was very highly called prophetically. And so he had gotten accustomed to being in the supernatural. He got accustomed to visions. He got accustomed to hearing from God and engaging with angels. He was the son of mine that would have angelic encounters. We'd be sitting in a room and an angel would walk in and he would see the angel. Like that was just the, the caliber of his gift. Well, when he backslid, he still had an appetite for power. And when you backslide, I promise you the sovereign backs up off of you. I don't care what you say. You might still feel his love, but that's all you're going to feel because all the rest of him is gone. He backs up. He strips you of that anointing. Y'all go, oh, the gifts and callings are without repentance. Yeah, but the anointing is not. And neither is his presence and neither is the glory. He will back up as Saul. So he entered into, and I remember the text message he sent me. He said, I'm not going to be able to talk to you anymore. I'm going into the religion of my family. So he had a lineage of witchcraft. His whole entire family was in this. His uncle in Bridgeport, Shande, in Bridgeport, <laughs> was one of the highest ranking people in this religion. They call it a religion that he would be the one that they would fly around the world to do the ceremonies. He, would, he had an itinerary. They would call him and invite him in because of the magnitude of his power. Well, this man was doing human sacrifices in his basement in Bridgeport. This is my son's uncle, my spiritual son's uncle. So he goes into this religion, and he said to me, you build an altar. He showed me. When he was destroying the altar, I still have the video because he called me on FaceTime because he wanted me to see him and go through this process with him. They have this altar, and... In order to get the articles from the altar, you literally have to go to the cemetery and rob graves. You got to get skulls. You have to get bones because it is a religion that worships death. And you have to conjure up. Now, what they think they're doing is conjuring up the dead spirit of the people whose graves that they are robbing and whose bones and articles that they are taking. But they're not actually doing that. These are demonic forces. And they go and they build these altars and they enter into contracts and covenants with these forces. And these spiritual forces are real. They come to them in visions. They appear to them in the, in the natural. They come to them in their dreams and they tell them what they want. And when these people need more power or want more access to certain things, the spirit will give them a prescription or a recipe. And they have to obey and they have to follow it through and then they will be supplied with more power. Now, my son, spiritual son was so gifted in the prophetic. And this is how I know that there's such a danger when prophets are renegade and rogue because Satan uses the same caliber of your gift in his kingdom. This is proof. He was so gifted prophetically, he said, I didn't even have to use the bones to do the readings. So my calendar was booked to people who would come and pay me to do the readings with the bones, and I barely had to do the bones. He said, I could hear the voices audibly telling me what to tell the people. See, 
we don't understand the reality of what we are coming up against in this generation. These practitioners of witchcraft are real. And it's not just the people in Louisiana and New Orleans at the little shack with the, the skull and bones on the outside that we need to be concerned about, but there are people sitting in seats of government that go to witches and warlocks for power. Comes into the service, lays on the altar, and I let him lay there, and I'm preaching and prophesying and praying to people, and he's just laying there. And he says to me, I have to come back to the Lord. I have to give my heart back to the Lord. I said, yeah, you do. He said, I've been seeing you in my dreams, blah, 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 Shande. He said, I know that it's time. You coming into this city is proof that I have to come back to the Lord. I said, let's go. And so he began to pray and he began to repent and command those spirits to leave his life. I said, this is something that you're going to have to do. I said, you have to break these covenants. You got to break these agreements because you willfully walked into them. This isn't somebody that was reared in it and had no idea what was going on. You left God to go into it. Now you fix it. I said, you fix it. He said, I got to destroy this altar. He said, I'm going to call you on FaceTime when I get to my house. He said, let's do it. Now, I began to have, you all of me remember, I started having visitations from spiritual forces that week because the spiritual forces that were connected to it knew that his deliverance was tied to me being there. So some of them came to attack. Some of them came to see who I was. He told me people from his family were calling him talking about me. Y'all trying to tell me what time it is? Oh, okay, I'll just stop. Y'all finish? Oh, what's up? So he goes on FaceTime and shows me the altar, skulls and splattered with blood and all kinds of things in his house. This is in a closet in his house. And he begins to break it down, take the pieces of it, goes outside. I said, I think you're supposed to burn it or something. Like, what are you supposed to? I'm trying to think about what they do in the movies. <laughs> you're supposed to burn it. And we begin to renounce those forces and break their stronghold off of his life. Witchcraft is real. The people that have covenanted, let me see if I get one more point before I stop. Everything becomes a series here. Oh. I didn't even get to all my pages yet. See, look, I got all this stuff to tell y'all. Lord, just play someday. You're going to wind down. Practitioners of the dark arts of the spiritual realm often think that they are serving the divine purpose of God or that God himself is the source of their gift. However, the scripture outright condemns the practice of anything pertaining to the occult. That's in Ezekiel 13. I guess I'll read that. 13 and 18. And it says, And say, Thus says the Lord God, Woe to the women who sew magic charms on their sleeves and make veils for the heads of people of every height to hunt souls. Will you hunt for the souls of my people and keep yourselves alive? 
think I can finish these two points. So you understand the backdrop. Somebody said we understand. These forces were cast out of heaven. They saw a kingdom infrastructure. They saw in heaven how the Most High ruled his realms. Satan sets himself up as their God and extracts from them obedience and service and says, you're going to do my bidding. These spiritual forces are literally set up in an organized system and they become the principalities, the powers, the authorities, the spiritual hosts of wickedness in high places, the rulers of the darkness of this age. They become those forces in that entire infrastructure. So when the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 6 that we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but then he begins to list them, we understand that the word there in the Greek for wrestle is pale. And so it's the gladiator, y'all know this, I've taught you this, the gladiator kind of wrestling match where the winner is only crowned the winner when you can get your opponent down and put your foot on their neck and hold them down and they can't get back up. Paul likened, listen to this, you gotta get it. He likened the wrestling of the saints with that of a gladiator wrestling match. He said, but we're not wrestling, hear it, with this context against flesh and blood. You're not wrestling with people. But there's an entire infrastructure of the kingdom of darkness that is established that has usurped an authority that the Most High never gave them. See, that's why we can say Satan is illegally doing what he's doing. Y'all get that? That wasn't the place of his appointment. Them being cast into the earth's atmosphere was a judgment, wasn't the design. So everything that they've done in the nations of the world, these spiritual forces, is all illegal. So Paul says that when I come into a region, he said we're wrestling against not flesh and blood, but principalities, powers, rules of the darkness of the age, spiritual hosts of wickedness in high heavenly places. Weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down vain imaginations and every high thing or thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So the apostle comes into a territory and builds a house. That apostle and that house of apostleship are on the front line of that battle and that war against those territorial forces. See, this is why you won't have warfare that your other church friends don't ever entreat. They happy in Jesus. They having a good day living their best life. Having a good time with the Lord. They read their little devotional in the morning. They listen to Joel Osteen on their way to work. They got their Bible and they're going to do what their Bible says that they can do. They have their scriptures on their refrigerator. They go to church. They worship two and a half songs. They don't have to sweat. And they just love the Lord. Hallelujah. They just worship him in the beauty of holiness. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The pastor gets up and teaches the little three-point words of how to be a success in Christ. How to not lose your faith. How to tap into your God-given potential. How to know your calling. Hallelujah. That's a 12-week series. How to know your calling. And here we are. We wake up and all hell breaks loose because we woke up. 
demons that ain't never did nothing before. When we wake up, now they got a job. Can't breathe. Suffocated in the region. Feel like the whole atmosphere of this region is pushing against you. You're just trying to drive down I-95 to get to work. And the wind is pushing your car into the other lane. You don't need the atmosphere is contrary. Wake up depressed. Why am I depressed? Don't even know. Just feel it. Try to pray. Feel like something choking you. You fall asleep. You get bored. Try to read the Bible. Got to read the same verse 20 times because you can't get it. It's like, I forgot what I read. Let me read. God, I know you don't want me sitting here reading this because I don't even understand it. Let me get up and watch TV. Everything scrambled in your mind. Because you are in a different atmosphere. You're in a different realm. You're in a different realm, y'all. Jezebel ain't never tried to cut up none of them other people's churches. She in there on the front row. And him too. And they having a good time worshiping. You Jezebel, I'm Jezebel. Come on, let's worship. I think the pastor Jezebel too. I think he wants to. We having a good time in this shirt. Something remotely Jezebel had come up in here. Everybody looking. But they discernment the gaze that you know when you squint. Something ain't right in my spirit. Because we're on the front line of a war. The Apostle Paul showed us in his life, y'all. If, if you, if you, and I'm really done with this section of this. If you follow his teaching and look at his ministry, whenever he went into a city, he had to deal with the ruling prince. Jesus crossing over into the region of the Gadarenes had to deal. That legion, that was the principality that governed that whole entire province. He met Jesus at the gate to the region and it was a cemetery because it was a death spirit. He was possessed by a legion, but they were spirits of death and hell. Death reigned in that region and now the prince of life is coming and they said, why are you here? It was a guardian spirit that he, this is all in your Bible. So when this stuff show up in real life, why y'all act like you don't know what's going on? It's in your Bible. Not just mine, it's in your Bible. Why are you here to torment us before our time? He said, loose him, let him go. Huh? Paul, dealing with Ephesus, had to deal with the principality of the goddess Diana. Had to displace that spiritual force so that the worshipers of Diana that were under the grip of that principality could be free to hear the gospel and come into the kingdom. The apostles were preaching and they said that there was a young damsel with the spirit of divination that followed them for three days prophesying these men are servants of the Most High God. Y'all better watch the false prophets that prophesy the right word. Oh yeah, you could be false. You could be true today and false tomorrow. When you switch gods and switch kingdoms, you're a false prophet. Period. You are no longer serving the, the purposes of the sovereign. You're serving another deity's agenda. Number one, the divisiveness proves it. He called us to unity. That's not the spirit of God. That's another deity. 
especially if you feel a force behind it. There is a demonic force standing there. Is that real? Y'all, Satan will enter you in a hand gesture. Jesus said, it's the one that I dipped the bread in the bowl at the same time. Because John wanted to know. He knows it. He close to the Lord. He said, Lord, who is it? Which one is it? Is it me? Show me now. He said, I'm going to tell you because you're close to my heart. John laid his head in Jesus' bosom. No other disciple, scripture says, did that. He said, I'm going to reveal it to you. He also got the apocalyptic revelation of the book of Revelation. It says a lot about intimacy with the Lord in Revelation. A lot about devotion to him and what he allows you to see. Dipped it in there. He said, now what you do, do it quickly. And he turned around to go do it quickly. And the Bible says Satan entered him. He stepped right in him. The travesty is not that he stepped in him. It was that he was so close that he could. You walking with the prince of life for three and a half years in the flesh. And in an instant, the prince of death can step in you. You kept and maintained an environment conducive to the total antithesis of the prince of life that you claim to be protecting and walking with. In an instant, he stepped in and possessed him. And how do we know that it was the spirit of death and hell? Because when it was all said and done, he killed himself. Satan will use you and destroy you and not flinch. Stand to your feet. Well, here's part two of this series. A thought in the presence of God. And let me cover some of this just to make this one statement. This is why rebellion, rebellious orders, and those in the local church who divert from the God strategy implemented in his house create anarchy. Do y'all believe that? Do y'all see that? I'll read it. Their opposition, their defiance, their refusal to submit, and their pride literally replicates what Satan did in heaven to God's order. See, that's why I call it the Luciferian complex. In a realm of God's exquisite holiness and order, he comes up with an idea contrary to that order that's established. Y'all see that? So when God has given us a house and given us a blueprint and a strategy, and this strategy doesn't come because I wake up one morning and decide that I'm a know-it-all and I got the strategy. It comes through decades of intercession. It comes through fasting. It comes through listening. It comes to listening to voices that are senior to my voice. What do the prophets say when they come into this house? What do the apostles say when they come into this house? What did Bishop Bismarck as our apostle and covering? What did he say? What does he say about our house? So when I talk about blueprint, I'm not talking about what I think about when I'm eating cereal. I'm talking about what the sovereign God has disclosed as his intention, his purpose, and his plan for Ecclesia Global. 
So when he has given us that order and given us that blueprint and given us that strategy, then we have an obligation as those that he has called into this vision to walk circumspectly. But the renegades always have an idea contrary to the plan. And just like Satan, it is not enough for them just to have it in themselves. They have to try to inseminate it in people that are willing to hear. The renegades always need their third. So you got to make sure, make up in your mind, I'm not going to be a part of the third. I started talking about that on Sunday morning. What's the order of our house? Scripturally, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. We talked about the governing order. But what's the order of our house? Who are the authorities in our house? Who are the people that we listen to? Who are the people that have the right to, to correct or discipline? All of those things, those are all established orders. What is the blueprint? What are we doing? That's what it means when I say the blueprint. What are we doing? What does our vision and manifestation look like? See, if you're not invited to the table where those discussions are had, it means it's not a part of you. And I don't mean that in a condescending way. That's just a fact. That's a statement of fact. There are people that sit at the table when we seek the mind of God to know what God is saying to his people. There are people that are a part of that process, part of that prayer, part of that intercession. Witchcraft forces in a house are not always in covenant with a deity by covenant, but sometimes they enter in by rebellion. I'm going to tell you right now, if you follow people in this church and their voice has more weight than the voice of me as your shepherd and the leaders that are delegated authorities in here, you are in error. Period. If you got to look at people to see if they approve of what I just said, y'all need to go find y'all another place to worship. Y'all better go find y'all a church. And maybe one of you are called the pastorate. And that's not, I, I promise you, that's not condescending. That might be true. You may be called the pastor. Don't be scared, Peter. Get out of the boat, walk on the water like I did. But don't try to create a church and pastor a church in this church. They're not following you. They're not following your leadership. And if, if they were following your leadership before they got here, when you put your name here in covenant partner, you committed to the order of our house. What's the order of our house? We're in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 14. Prophecies have to be judged by other prophets. That's why we prophesy in the mic and not in your ear. Y'all altar workers, that's not prophecy central. And if I find out that you prophesy to somebody, I'm going to rebuke you. Because that's not what the altar is. That's prayer. We're just praying. Now, if you pray prophetically, tone it down because we still need to judge that too. Ask God to touch him. Break the power of the devil off. You don't need to be prophetic to do that. Somebody got something that need to be broken off, break it off. But don't use that as an opportunity to prophesy in an ear without the word being scrutinized. Because that's against the order of the house. That's rebellion and this witchcraft. Period. Oh, that's a controlling spirit. No, it's a spirit of order that rebels are never accustomed to. What does that mean, Pastor Isaiah? He could have just came here. Him, Dewberry, and Aaron Guest could have been together. 
for 35 years witnessing and laying out before the Lord prostrate rolling over each other prophesying whatever they want to do but when they join this church your prophecy sessions in your car stop and in your car and in your car they stop your little grouper with all your prophecies in it gets deleted or either you stop prophesying why? Because as covenant partners of this house, now those words got to be scrutinized and we have an established guard of seasoned prophets here that can tell you. Why does the word have to be judged? Watch this. Because no matter how prophetic you are, you might be off. So the seasoned prophets, and that's what that word implies when it says, let the other prophets judge. The Greek word is prophetes, and it speaks about one who walks in the restricted office of the prophet. So these are not your little prophetic gifts and your little prophetic anointings and your little prophetic prayer people. These are seasoned, sanctioned, commissioned prophets that have to judge the word. And they have to say whether or not God really said it. He come out of the Moshiach. God's going to do it. He called another. And the rest of the prophets sitting there trying to figure out if he really said he's going to do it. And then they have every right to get up and say, God didn't say that. We're going back to Bible divine order, y'all. And it's going to be foreign to us because we've had a church that has no Bible divine order. Y'all hear? I just want it to be right. That's all I'm asking. I just want it to be right. And when we build this according to the blueprint, according to the order, God's glory will rest and manifest in a way that we've only dreamed about. He'll come and sit amongst the people. He already sits here. He already, he stands in our, in our midst. He already declares his name, the name of his father amongst the brethren, according to Hebrews. He's already here. But we want the kind of glory that cancers get healed when people are in our parking lot before they walk in before anybody could ever lay hands imagine if the miracles never had to slow down enough to become a word for you to lay hands and release just an atmosphere of miracles just that's where we're going come on lift your hands right there for a minute I'm done just an atmosphere of glory an atmosphere of his sovereignty his throne his dominion his truth Father, we bless your name. Thank you for this series. <laughs> I'm breaking the power of witchcraft, rebellion, and the occult. Cover your people with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Protect them from backlash and retaliation. I pray, Father, that those that have been caught up in the snare of witchcraft on any level, Father, that every spiritual force that has tried to infiltrate their life, that it be bound now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I bind every spirit of rebellion. I bind every spirit of sorcery, every spirit of astrology. I bind every psychic spirit. I bind the spirit of crystals and tarot cards. We bind every occultic spirit. We bind the spirit of psychic phenomena. We bind every unclean and ungodly spirit that even tries to attach itself to your people. We pray your protection over them. And as we delve deeper into this series, you will bring people to the place of deliverance, complete and total deliverance. That this house will be void of witchcraft and rebellion on every level, on every level. 
that this would be the house of God. Beth Rapha, the house of healing. Father, we give you glory. Just worship for a minute. We give you glory. That your prophets be free from all rebellion and witchcraft. Scripture says, except the Lord build the house. Those laborers are laboring in vain. Those watchmen are watching in vain. The gatekeepers are keeping in vain. Father, we thank you that you're building this house so you know what stuff is even when we don't know. Thank you for clearing this house and the streams of the prophetic here from all witchcraft forces. Thank you. Those that are contrary to your blueprint, pattern, and plan, you've removed them out of our midst so that we can move forward unhindered. Unhindered unhindered we bless your name